As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. All right, as promised, uh, we've got a young lady on the phone with us tonight that has really accomplished a ton in our sport in a very short period, really. It is wonderful to have Mia Tedesco, Miss Mia, as she's affectionately known in racing, on the phone with us tonight to talk about her racing endeavors and her story. Mia, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you taking some time for us. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm good. I appreciate the opportunity, and I'm excited to get to talk with you all. Excellent. What part of the world are you in right now? I'm home right now. Home is Pittsburgh. <laughs> But uh, just till tomorrow, and then we head to 42. Yeah, it's pretty rare for you to get to spend many days at home, I think. Uh, I think you uh, you travel quite a bit. Yeah, I do. I got used to it. You know what I mean? I missed, like, I think, like, 60-some days my senior year of high school. So oh, I'm kind of used to being on the road. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I actually like it that way. It's weird yeah. for me to be in one spot for a long time, so I enjoy it. Well, good. So I think, again, most of our listeners know you know a lot about you or at least think they do but why don't you take just a, a little bit and tell us how you got started in racing give our listeners a brief rundown of that and how you've gotten to the point you're at now for sure yeah so when I was eight my dad and my uncles 
found out that Keystone was for sale. And they were like, we need to go look at this. This is something we've always wanted to do. And we need to go look into buying it. So that day I went with them and I knew racing was kind of in my family. Like my dad never did, but Uncle Carmen did especially. And uh, I knew a little bit about it, but I never seen it. And I never was around it really. And then that first day we went up there, I saw kids my age racing junior dragsters. And it was like, it was like a moment in your life where you see something and you're like, this is what I'm meant to do. It just hit me. I was like, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm meant to do. And immediately I was like, dad, I want to do this. And he's like, okay, yeah. And I think that kind of helped speed the process of getting the track along. I was all for it. And growing up, I raced every weekend and it was a decision. I played a lot of sports and every sport came to the decision. It was like, okay, if you want to be serious about the sport, you either need to commit to this or racing. And it was racing every single time. Cool. So it was just something I'm super passionate about. I love doing it. It's never going old and it's like, I can't get enough. You still have that, that desire and that passion for it. Still enjoy it that much. Oh yeah. It's every day. It's where can I go race next? What can I do next? It doesn't matter if I'm getting my head kicked in or if I'm winning every race. I just, I want to keep going. That is awesome. So I believe my memory isn't as good as it used to be, but I think I'm right on this. My first (laughs) encounter with you was when you were named the youngest racer at a million dollar race. Is that correct? That's not, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were named the youngest race. I don't remember what year that was. Uh, it was um, quite a few years ago. I think it was ago. 2011, maybe. Okay, I thought it was 11 because I, I think it was right there in my first or second year. So, But mm-hmm. what I do remember about my first encounter with you and, and after the interview, I had a few people tell me, you need to keep an eye on that young lady. She's going to be special. And turns out those people were right. You've had, obviously, it hasn't been super long career, but... It's been pretty special, to say the least. How has that journey been for you? Is is it too fast? Is it not fast enough? Is it just right? What's your take on it? It sure has been special, to say the least. Uh, it was just pure luck that I was there at the Million. That's really where it all got started. I heard about the Million Dollar Race probably a month before it was going to happen. And I was still in high school. I was a senior, and I was like, I was like, Dad, I want to go to this race. And he was like, oh, I don't know, because I only really raced a dragster for a few months that year. And he's like, I don't know, you haven't really raced that much. And he was like, I'll make a deal with you. If you go to, I went to New Media the weekend before. He said, you go to New Media, you do all right there, and you can go. So I went to New Media, my first time ever racing anywhere other than my dad's track. And I lost it three cars the first day. Wow. As soon as I was done, I called my dad, and I was like, Dad, <laughs> I lost him so much. He was like, all right, you can go. Uh, we packed up and went down the next week and I feel like I lost my way down to nine cars, but it was pretty awesome. I didn't really know, you know, the prestige of it or how special it was really until afterwards. I was just excited. I just wanted to race. Yeah. uh, That that happened. (laughs) You definitely put the world on their ear, you know, making sure they paid attention to you. You come out with a great performance and, you know, you haven't slowed up really, Mia. You've only improved you, the people's perception of you and your racing ability in this short period. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without a lot of people. Uh, God being first and my family, but uh, without meeting Jason the week after, or I met Jason a few weeks before the million, but the week or two weeks after the millions when I crashed my car, and that's how Jason and I kind of got our start. 
Yeah, so that was in my questions. Uh, you travel the country okay. with racing Jason Lynch, and he's been mm-hmm. a mentor, an advisor, a crew man, and much more for you. Tell us about how that, because I, I went to your website and read that. Tell us about mm-hmm. how you and Jason became racing partners and friends, family at this point. Yeah, for sure. So we initially met because he was going to go to work for my dad for the company. And my dad knew he raced. My uncle knew a lot of him. My uncle Carmen, he was like, he's good. You need to have him help her. He's, you know, one of the best. So my dad was like, can you keep an eye on her and help her? And he said, yeah, sure. So we met down in Valdosta for the winter series. After I did go at the million, he convinced my dad that I needed to go to the winter series. And I was racing good enough. And it was some races I needed to be a part of. So we went down there in Valdosta. It was the first race I've ever raced without my parents there or anything. And I think it was like the third night I crashed. I crashed at the finish line. It was a slick, like late night. I didn't really do anything wrong. It just, it was just one of those marginal tracks, and I barrel rolled like eight or I ten rem- times, I think. I remember it well. It was very scary. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, thank God I was fine. And I, uh, I remember standing on the fence that night talking to Jason, asking if I was okay. And I looked at him and I said, "This is the only thing I can do that money can't buy me." Being good in the sports, the only thing that I can't can't be bought. It's my passion. It's who I am. All that matters to me is racing. I just I want to be good at it. And uh, I guess that left a mark on him because the next day he said, "All right, you drive my car." So I, I jumped in the car. I remember you getting back out there in his car. Yep. And uh, we cut two by fours to make it so I could reach the puddles. And uh, I won in Palm Beach two weeks later, my first ever ten grander, my first ever race ever. Palm Beach. That's a so, pretty I mean, wise. I work. would not be here without him. Period. He's giving me that opportunity and just leading me the whole way. So it's been it's been a pretty crazy ride. Well, I know he he credits you guys for a lot of changing in his life too. I, I think you both of you connected at the perfect time for one another, and it's obviously been a wonderful relationship for the two of you. For sure, for sure. But you talking about this being the the one thing money couldn't buy you that you was basically going to have to earn it on your own. Uh, that's pretty wise words because that was still quite a few years ago. I don't know how old you were at that time, but uh, that's pretty wise words for a young lady. Yeah, I was 17 and I've been fortunate my whole life with everything. Racing is the one thing that can humble you, you know, it can yes. give you a lot. It can take away a lot, but it's the one thing that it doesn't matter how much money you have doesn't matter how nice a car you have. If your heart's in it, you know, and you're committed, you'll be good. And that's that's what really, I think, got me. Because I've been around things and people my whole life that it was just money, money, and that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. What mattered to me was doing something that I'm passionate about and being good at it because I'm good at it. Very well said. And, and you may repeat some of that, what you just said in a little while on another question. But this is a question I wasn't sure I was going to ask you because I wasn't sure how you'd take it, but I I know you fairly well, and I think it's fitting, so I'm going to ask it. Obviously, All right, let's hear it. you are a female in a sport full of men. Uh, that is mm-hmm. quite obvious. But, Mia, the reason I'm asking this question is I feel that you have gained the respect of every competitor you face. I don't I don't think they look at you as racing, even when you were younger, you know, some little girl. And that's not my words. That's just a, you know, a stereotype. But yeah, yeah. Has it been easy for you, you feel like, to gain that respect? Or do you feel like it was way more difficult due to your gender than than you anticipated? Honestly, the gender thing never bothered me or never even faced me. It doesn't matter 
who I'm racing to me. And that's bad because I don't do it out of disrespect. But if I race somebody and say I win, and sometimes they come up to me and shake my hand and say, good job, nice race. I half the time don't even know what they're talking about because all I need to know is their dial. I don't care who it is. It doesn't matter if it's somebody I've never met or somebody I've raced 500 times. I do not care. So I've always kind of had that mindset. And sure, I know guys don't like to race girls. Well, some guys don't like to race girls or even like the girls. But that never really even saves me because the way I see it is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm racing a girl, a guy, world champ, first time out. There's a good chance I'm going to get a package laid on me. So I need to be the best I can be. Sure. So what I think I heard there is that you haven't attempted to gain anyone's respect because you're a female. You just feel like it's it's happened through you know, the results that you've gotten. I guess it's just a product of you going out and and racing the best you can race. Right. I Yeah, gaining respect wasn't anything that, like, it was like, I want to gain everyone's respect. It, I knew if, if I could perform, that would follow. Well, I can tell you that as a fellow competitor, when I'm in the lanes beside you and, it, you know, we're about to go out on the track, you're, you're very intimidating. I'm not a big fan of, <laughs> of how intimidating you are because... You don't stand in the lanes and joke around like a lot of people. You know, you just kind of sit there at your car with your racing pants on, waiting to slide the jacket on. Don't matter how hot it is. You just kind of hang out there at the quarter panel. And it's like, I'm thinking the whole time, she knows if I do have any strategy, she knows it. And she's going to she's gonna be better at my strategy than I am. She's not going to miss it because she's Mia and she don't miss. So you're very intimidating. I'd like you to calm that down just a little bit if you could. Uh, it's funny you say that. I I have struggled probably the last past past year, year and a half. I really struggled. Uh, finally this year, I feel like I'm getting it back, but I never struggled hitting a tree ever. And the past year and a half have been really tough on me, but I really made it my goal this winter to fix that and figure out what was going on in my head and be better this year. And I'm really happy with how I've been driving this year. So we'll see if I can get, hold up to those expectations. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure you'll do just fine. So as far as earning respect and, and the things that we just talked about, you raced top alcohol dragster, and you've done that at a successful level. There was obviously women prior to you doing it successfully. So did that help, or did you have any, or did you feel like you wasn't getting the respect of those racers that you had to go out and fight and earn it on the NHRA side of things? I enjoyed racing alcohol a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely had a good time, but it took longer in in that side of it for people to kind of like open up and warm up to you. Definitely yeah. like being in the lanes with that, like everyone's like not talking. I'm like, go, go, yeah. different. And then <laughs> after a few months or almost a year, everyone like knew who I was and would like joke with me. And like, it was a lot better environment after my first year. It yeah. was a lot, a lot of fun. But that was definitely, that helped me a bunch with, bracket racing too because it kind of slowed everything down i feel everything now thanks to that like i can tell you okay it the car a little bit here and they're like no i don't think so we can pull up the graph and you'll see it just a very little bit but thanks to that you can feel i feel everything and it slowed everything down a lot yeah i'm sure that helped a lot and i somewhat anticipated you answering that exactly how you did so but i believe ultimately you did earn everyone's respect on that side of things too. You were extremely competitive. And speaking of, you rose to a, a high level in drag racing at a at a very fast pace. Obviously, uh, having some good funding helps get great equipment. But just like you said, 
it don't buy you nothing in this sport. All it does is give you an opportunity that you have to either take advantage of or, or you go fail at it. I mean, I know mm-hmm. your dad, Mr. T, and obviously your mom as well. It was a major part of that rise of support, not just financially, but mentally uh, giving you the support and backing that you need. Tell us what your parents have meant to your racing program. Oh, for sure. When I decided to full-blown follow it, I was 17, and my mom always wanted me to go to college and get a degree and have a good job. And I tried I tried going that route out of respect for her. But I think she always knew that's not where my heart was. So I gave it a chance, and I did some college and like a semester maybe. And uh, finally I sat down and I was like, listen, this isn't where I want to do what I love. Like I love racing and I don't want to be half, you know, I don't want to be half in. I want to be all the way in. It was, it would kill me to try to do schoolwork. I'd be in Tennessee trying to do schoolwork and the guys would be out in the shop. I'm like, I have to be in the shop. I have to be a part of it. I, have to it. <laughs> I can't sit here and do this. And uh, thankfully my mom and my dad understood and said, you know what, this is what you want to do. Here it is. Here's all the support we can give you. Go follow it. Go chase it. And I mean, without them, their support, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have been able to chase the championship. I wouldn't have been able to race alcohol and do low bracket racing. So I'm thankful that they gave me the opportunity that they did. Along with my school counselor in high school, I mean, she told me, she said, listen, not many people have the opportunity you do. I know you're going to miss a lot of school. Try to keep up. You're going to graduate as long as you can do your best to keep up. So, I mean, that doesn't happen every day. So I'm thankful. Every little piece, it's like everything fell into place for me to be able to do what I did. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, again, that's exactly what I thought you'd say, but great hearing it. And you know, you got wonderful parents. Your sister uh, is is doing something quite a bit different from racing, but I know they're very supportive of her too. Tell us a little bit about what she's got going on. Uh, my sister is in the army. She's in the reserves, and she also has a gym that is doing very well. It just started kind of blowing up the past year, but it's very successful. And we always joke with my mom because my mom's not like outdoorsy like we are and like sporty like we are. So she thought she'd have two girls, you know, go to college. She has one <laughs> daughter jumping out of airplanes and the other one going down a racetrack. <laughs> yeah, quite a contrast in your passions. And I know your parents support both equally. That's really cool. You, I know you know this, Mia, but you got awesome parents. Oh, I'm very thankful. And speaking of that support, it, you just talked a little bit about it. It allowed you to to chase the NHRA Super Gas World Championship, which you collected the hardware for in 2016. I believe you also won your division that year. Is that correct? Yeah, that year I won um, the World, the division, and then the division in alcohol as well. <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> yeah, good is a is a word you could use. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Is what that is. Uh, very impressive. Would you consider that to be maybe the the world championship to be the your biggest on track accomplishment, or was it the alcohol championship, or is there something else? Super gas is the championship is definitely number one or number two on my list. I'd say is one of the coolest things because alcohol don't take it the wrong way. Alcohol is awesome to win, you know, but super gas is kind of all on you. And alcohol, you know, it's a lot of the tune in and a lot of a lot of luck and sure. whatnot. So I mean I can't take that, you know, say I did that, you know, give a lot of credit to my guys for winning us that championship. That was us. 
not saying that the Super Gas wasn't us. I mean, I couldn't have done it without Jason Krusty helping me to get there by any means. But once I'm, you know, in my car and I do my day out, it's making the right decisions on me. So uh, that was definitely really cool. And we told ourselves at the beginning of this year that I have to, we have to chase it and just it and focus on it if we're going to have a chance. And somehow we got lucky and did it. That was one of the coolest things we've ever done. Well, I remember that season fairly well, and I didn't see a whole lot of luck in there. I saw a tremendous <laughs> amount of skill. Again, you were on the map, but you definitely solidified your spot on the map with that world championship. That's a heck of an accomplishment. And I don't think people understand, and I probably didn't until I got fairly close to Luke. I don't think people understand how grueling that world championship chase is. There's events that you probably wasn't planning to go to that now you slide in as you're starting to collect points and gain momentum. So you're adding mm-hmm. events to your schedule, probably skipping some things that you might, quote unquote, should have went and done instead because you're chasing that. And mentally, it's got to be a challenge because you're adjusting your timer round by round and, you know, different strategies for different opponents. That is extremely grueling all year long. And to to come out on top of that, when you look back, that has to be one of the, the biggest things you'll ever do. And I know you'll still do a lot in our sport, but that's that's a heck of an accomplishment, Mia. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a marathon. Changing your points is definitely a marathon. It's very different week by week, day by day. I mean, you make your timers on Thursday, sometimes Friday. And if you're lucky, you'll race the finals on Sunday. So you really have to be on it all weekend long. It's not like, well, I screwed up Thursday. I'll give it again Friday. You have to be on it all weekend long. And the best thing I think I did is I was just like so mentally in it. And like, I wouldn't think about anything somehow. <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> just not think about anything. <laughs> as soon as I got yeah. my car, it just helped you focus. And it was, I don't know how to explain it, but I didn't know anything. I didn't know no girl had wanted. I didn't know anything I'd, until I'd done it. Afterwards, it was just like such a relief. <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine. And anytime you know who you're going to race in the next round, way before the next round gets here, sometimes the next day, I think it tends to lead you down different paths and thinking about different things. So for you at Mm -hmm. such a young age to be able to stay focused on the task at hand and let all that stuff take its place wherever it took it and, and still come out on top is just a testament to your ability and focus. And I'm sure that will continue for you as you progress through our sport. I appreciate it. Yeah, I remember looking at the ladder one day for like third round and telling Jason, like, dang, I have so-and-so. And he just looked at me and said, no, so-and-so has you. Oh, and just he said that to me, I was like, okay. Like, that's a completely different mindset that really helped me. Like, okay, you're right. Like, I don't need to talk myself down before I even get there. Like, I have just as good a chance as he does. So it really helped me get through the season that year. I have some great mentoring by our man there, which kind of leads me to the next thing. Do you have a favorite racing Jason story that you can tell on there? Oh, that's a good one. I'd say this is a long time ago, but we were just kind of starting getting races together, and uh, we'd always pick at each other. We still, to this day, pick at each other no matter what. We're always playing jokes on each other. And we were in Bowling Green. It was like 95 degrees. It was a regional. And I said something to him, and he said, I'll squirt with ketchup in your hair. And I was like, no, no, you won't. My hair is bluff. <laughs> and he grabbed ketchup off the concession stand table and squirted half the bottle in my hair. And I had to race like 10 minutes later. 
<laughs> I was like, all right. At that point, I was like, all right. <laughs> I know we're going to go along. This is going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't call his bluff because it, it could no, end up. I learned. End, <laughs> that's Raisin <laughs> Jason. I've got a favorite Raisin Jason story, but I can't tell it on here. It was. It was <laughs> It was at Luke Bogacki's bachelor party gathering in Nashville, and Jason didn't do anything bad, but somebody <laughs> was acting up a little bit, and Jason was about to handle it, and it was it was awesome. Maybe I get to tell you that in the lanes one day if you decide you're going to talk to people in the staging lanes instead of sitting over there just yeah. being mean mugging everybody. Yeah. I know. Everyone's like, why are you mean mugging everyone? I'm not. I'm honestly not. I'm just like no, staged not. out, not even probably thinking about racing. Just <laughs> I don't even know what I'm thinking about after dark. <laughs> no you're not mean mugging I'm, I, I was kidding but speaking of being social so you know I did a little research on your website I did a little research on your Facebook page we're friends on Facebook which I'm I'm proud to be one of your fave 5,000 but best I could tell the last post you made yourself mm-hmm. was March the 26th that sounds about right you get tagged in something looks like about 11 times a day <laughs> and I had to scroll way down. March the 26th, mm-hmm. Mia, I need you to be a social butterfly. How do you stay away from <laughs> posting like that? You're an interesting person. People want to know what's going on in your life. Yeah, I know. I get ragged on a bunch about not posting. I really need to do it but more and a better job. But honestly, this year, I was like, you know what? My whole racing career, I've had a social media person handle all that. And every day I'd get a text, what do you want to post? What do you want to post? Every single day for probably five years. So this year I decided that I wanted to live my life and not worry about everyone else knowing how I was living my life. Not have to worry about what I was going to post or what picture I was going to take. I just wanted to enjoy the moment, live, race, have fun. And uh, that's what I've been doing. I know it's probably not the right mindset or anything like that. That's how I decided to take on this year. And uh, I've honestly been enjoying, you know, not having to think about what I'm going to post all the time. Well, I think you're wise beyond your years, and, and we all could use a little bit of less posting and more living in our life. And I don't post a ton myself, but my goodness, I feel like a 14-year-old girl compared to you. You just <laughs> don't have much to say on there, but that's okay. It's it's your page, and you can treat it any way you want to. Mm-hmm. So that beautiful Camara that you race right now, <laughs> uh, Mia, that, by the way, the wheelie will go down in history as <laughs> one of the craziest things I've seen. We'll talk about that in just a second, but that's a pretty special Camaro to you and your family. Tell us why that is. That was my uncle Carmen's Camaro, and it was a matching number to see at Camaro, and he used to drive it around. He always used to bring it over to pick me up in so we could go for rides and car shows and stuff, and he always told me, this is yours, man. This is yours. When I pass away, this is yours. And uh, we joke around and say we should make it into a race car. And he just said maybe one day. And I actually took it to homecoming one year when I was 16. And uh, it was pretty special. And then he suddenly passed away. And uh, the Camaro was left to me. And I got in it one day. And my picture, picture and my sister's picture were, it was just like he loved it. My sister's picture and my picture were hanging on the sun visor. And I sat there and I drove it around for a while and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do with it what we always talked about doing and never had the chance to. And uh, now it's, I race it every weekend and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, and it's pretty mean. But just I just talked about the wheelie that happened, uh, I guess that was two years ago at the Million, correct? 
It wasn't last year. It was last year. Wow, my goodness. So the air got crazy good. It was it was mm-hmm. stupid. A couple of cars went out in front of you and stood it up pretty good. I think you guys were prepared for a wheelie, but maybe not the wheelie. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that run. Was you a little white knuckled when you let go, worried about it, or did you think, ah, you know, it'll be a big wheelie, but I'm cool. I probably should have been white knuckled, but uh, that's I wasn't thinking about anything like either one of us. I never am worried or have any, like anxiety or anything before a run. I honestly forget half the time. Like I wasn't even thinking about wheelie. I knew it would do one, but I wasn't worried about it. And uh, I let go, and I thought I was like, all right, this is good, and it left. And when I got up there, I was like, oh, this is higher than I like it, and I started pedaling it, pedaling it with two nothing. And by the time I thought about hitting the brakes, it shut off and just slammed down. Yeah, it was, I think it got on one wheel, if I remember correctly. It just got on, the right rear tire was the only one on the ground at one point, And it kind of wobbled yeah. in the air, which usually leads to very bad things. But your awareness and, and calm nature, I'm sure, was a contributing factor to getting it back down safely. I know it beat some mm-hmm. stuff up, but you still did a wonderful job of getting that back down. What You went probably 400, 450 feet or so on the back tires? Yeah, yeah, no, it was it, it actually fractured my spine in two places, and I didn't find out until oh my goodness, like February. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was pain. It came down, and I knew I was hurt. But me being me, I just sucked it up, and I raced the rest of that day and the worst pain I've ever been in, and the rest of the year. And then finally, I got an MRI and found out how bad it actually was. But it was it was damaging for sure. Yeah, that was a, a very wild ride, and again, you commend you on being able to get it under control, not creating any more damage than you did, and I immediately ran back to mine and tightened it down as tight as it would get. I was, because mine will wheelie mm-hmm. a little bit as well, and that that scared me really bad just to watch it and then thinking that I could do it too, so, but I guess after it's all said and done, it was a pretty cool experience anyway. It was a, that <laughs> it was one heck of a wheelie in that picture. It was tightened tighten down as tight as we could have it, too. Because oh the night before, we tightened it all the way down, and we had it detuned, and it was doing a nice wheelie, but nothing crazy. We never we never dreamed it would happen like that, but I'm thankful it could have been a lot worse, and yeah, I was able to race it the rest of the year. So. Yeah, glad Uncle Carmen's car didn't get any worse, or, or Mia's car at this point, but I'm glad it didn't <laughs> get any more damage than it got. Oh, yeah. No, it'll, it'll always be his, but, yeah, I'm very thankful. It's a lot of fun to drive. I can't lie. We got wheelie bars on it now, and it doesn't make yeah. really. <laughs> it is awesome. Even got a blower on it now. Oh, yeah, we got a big blower on it now. That's cool, too. So I talked a little bit earlier about you being a female in a in, in a male-heavy sport, and it certainly don't mean to offend you by continuing to go down that path somewhat, but what advice would you give a young female drag racer? I know that you could advise any gender, but mm-hmm. what would you give a young female drag racer if you could just give them one solid piece of advice? Um, my best advice would be, that if this is your heart to do it, that there's nothing holding you back except you, and uh, anything's possible. And this is a great family, fun sport to be involved in, and uh, that it doesn't matter where you come from or what what situation you're in. If this is what you want to do, anything's possible, and you're going to have a heck of a time doing it. Excellent. 
Excellent. Excellent advice. And I, I think to paraphrase what I heard there is you're, you're saying don't, don't think you have to be a cheerleader or a gymnast. If you want to race, pursue it. Um, sure. It doesn't matter. You know, obviously some of our most successful racers in drag racing have been female and uh, it doesn't matter what gender you are. If it's in your heart, chase it. And you learn that at an early age and uh, continue to pursue it. And I think any young female probably looks up to you a ton and would hope to follow that kind of path. So I think you gave great advice for them. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. So what does the future hold for Miss Mia's racing program? You've done Top I Call Dragster. You've won NHRA World Championships. You're a very successful racer on the bracket racing circuit. Is there anything new coming for you, or is it much the same of what you've done? I'd say it's about about the same. Um, this year and last year, we focused primarily on bracket racing, and that's just uh, because we found it's really hard to go back and forth from super comp, super gas racing to bracket racing and be super successful. You kind of have to be in one mindset and just stay in that mindset. So we decided that if there's so much money right now in bracket racing, that's where we want to be. Um, so this year and next year, those are our plans, just to focus on that and hopefully do well, chase some more big races. Cool. Well, it'll be great to see you out at those big races, and I'm sure you'll get your share as those uh, prizes and cash are awarded. Look forward to seeing how that works out. Where's your next stop on the 2019 schedule? I think you said Dragway 42 earlier. Yeah, the SFG race at 42 this coming weekend. Cool. And there's a lot up for grabs there, too. And hopefully you, you get out there and get your share of it. You, you'll be racing shorty this coming weekend? Yep, a short, my shorty and my Camaro. Camaro and Shorty, what's the deal with the short dragsters? You guys are, <laughs> you guys are going really fast in those and making them work. I mean, you you really hit on something there, and I think it's a spinning off to others. I think a lot of people are seeing the success you guys are having, trying to do it for themselves as well. Yeah, for sure. We we like them so much. I mean, we've we've been building them and to sell them at this point because um, so many people are interested in them. But uh, Jason. Jason saw the orange American shorty that we had last year at the million and he loved it. Of course, he always loves everything that nobody <laughs> pays attention nobody's like not doesn't yeah. pay attention to, but he's like shorties weren't a thing two years ago. And he was like, I love that thing. I'm like, Of course you do. I want it. So we get it. And uh and he was like, This is smooth, you really gotta try it. One thing led to another. Danny start build us build us one and race decks building them, everyone's building them. And uh when I drove it the first time, I was like, I am not getting a shorty. I drove it, and I was like, okay, I love this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they yeah. work better. They work better. The four-link and everything works better. You know, over the years, they kept making directors longer and longer. It's harder to make the four-link work the longer you go. And a shorter yeah. car just works so much better. And that's smooth. I love being closer to the tree. I feel like I'm driving two-door cars almost. I just, I love it. Excellent. Well, that's a ringing endorsement for short dragsters, if anybody out there is <laughs> thinking about one. Mia, you talked about Danny. You said Danny. I know you're talking about Danny Nelson Racecraft Chassis, but I know you've got a lot of people that help you go down the racetrack. And, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot here without a you know prepared list, but uh, tell us a little bit about the folks that are supporting your racing program. Okay. Cars Protection Plus has been our biggest sponsor for the longest. They've helped us 
tremendously. Uh, VP racing fuels. Mark Wesson there. He's backed us for a few years now. Uh, Hoosier Farron has supported us from day one. We love everybody there and their product. Uh, Danny has built us some good cars. Wilkerson, Bruzy, and uh, yeah, that's our close knit group right there. A lot of people help us, so don't get me wrong. But uh, sure, they've sure, been with us the longest. Those are your primary partners, and that's a list of uh, some awesome, awesome companies and people that I know very well that are wonderful. And I know from talks with them, they're all very proud of what you do on the racetrack and how you not just win, but how you represent their product. Uh, I know a lot of the people that support you, and they're all proud of you. So uh, definitely take take uh, some good from that and know that, that those people – not just support you because they're expecting win lights. They just love the way you represent them, which you do a phenomenal job of. Yeah. I mean, we can't ever promise win lights, but we can promise supporting of their product. And I mean, without them, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. So, I mean, we appreciate everything everyone does for us. And uh, we hope to keep representing well and keeping the sport alive. It's booming right now. We're really excited about it. So. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I know that uh, there's a lot up for grabs. And again, the sport is, really booming right now and i definitely expect to see you holding up some big paydays some big old checks here pretty soon as uh, some of this racing becomes available to you looking forward to seeing how it plays out for you mia i'm excited and i appreciate the opportunity it was nice getting to talk with you guys yeah nice talking to you thanks for taking some time but you know you're probably not a listener because you're busy but we're not done we're through (laughs) with the main part of the interview but we got a little something we call rapid fire where I'm going to throw a few questions at you and you give me the long answer, the short answer, whatever you want to give. But I'm going to try to stump you just a little bit. You up for that? I can handle it. I can handle it. Okay. This one's going to be easy. I know you've traveled quite a bit, but where's your favorite vacation getaway? Probably Cancun, Mexico. Cancun, yeah. I haven't visited that, but I know that's a, a destination for a lot of people. It seemed like a great place to get away. So tell me, Mia, what is your superstition or quirk that rules your life? I like to answer this question by saying I'm not superstitious. I'm regimented. I'm very okay. regimented. <laughs> like the way I put my helmet and fire suit and gloves on is isn't superstition it's my routine and it's my consistency if that makes okay. sense i like it yeah I like, well to be consist- I like to be consistent in everything i do and uh that seems to lead to success in pretty much everything if you're consistent in, in a desk job if you're consistent in racing that seems to be one of the recipes for success so i'm very consistent <laughs> okay yeah i like that uh, this is not my interview, so nobody really cares about mine, but I just <laughs> want to tell you anyway, it's odd numbers. I have to have my delay box setting on an odd number. I try to dial an odd number. Sometimes strategy won't allow that, and it drives me crazy, and I think it makes me lose if I've got an even number on my <laughs> dial-in board. But Yeah, I'm, I'm very odd number, too. I do odd numbers in my delay box. However, if I'm in a... Slump, I switch it to even just to see if I can get out of the slump. <laughs> I like okay. our numbers a lot better that's than even. A, that's a quirk. We share a quirk. I like <laughs> it. If you didn't race, Mia, you would what? If I didn't race, I'd probably be 
running some sort of business with my dad in Florida, I'd assume. Okay. <laughs> That's hard. I've never thought about that one. A businesswoman. Okay. I like it. What is one superpower that you wish you had? Flight. I'd like to fly. Yeah, that's mine. I would <laughs> love to be able to fly. Wish I had that superpower. And lastly, what's your favorite animal, Mia? Hmm. My favorite animals are my dogs, probably. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? What's their names? I have a Cavapoo, and her name's Roxy. And then I have an Aussie Doodle, and her name's Stella. I have never. And they travel the world with me. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of either of those breeds. They yeah. must be. Are, yeah, are they... I got my Aussie Doodle. Uh, she's an Australian Shepherd mix and Poodle mix. And I picked her up when she was two months old and threw her in my ring and drove to Vegas after I had her for two weeks. <laughs> oh, cool story. She's used to traveling. Well, good. So they're they're woman's best friend too, not just man's. Oh, that's for sure. Well, Mia, that wraps it up. I want to thank you again for taking some time to join us. Cool getting to sit down and chat with you and get to know you a little bit better. I know the listeners enjoy it as well and look forward to seeing your racing program continue on through 2019. We wish you a ton of win lights. Awesome. I appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Thank you guys. And I wish you luck as well. Thank you, Mia. Have a great night. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you. You too. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. BTE is one of a few full-service transmission companies with a full array of manufacturing and testing capabilities. Their in-house CNC facility is paired with an extensive collection of gear hobbing and shaping machines to produce any high-performance driveline product. From inception, BTE's racing products are designed, prototyped, field-tested, produced, inspected, and even shipped by real racers. Just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, their warehouse and manufacturing facility in Mount Pleasant, Mississippi, is stocked with thousands of parts and centrally located in the United States for fast delivery anywhere. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal 
in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.